Welcome to Practical Theology, a podcast series by Battle Creek Friends Church. Our hope is that by listening, you feel equipped in your faith to speak out in confidence about what you believe and live it out. We're here to help you seek the Lord throughout your day. So here's your host, Bible teacher, father, husband, and guy who likes cookies, Leo Wilson. Hello and welcome to episode 10A of Practical Theology. Did he just say 10A? Is that a Canadian reference? No, it's not a Canadian reference. It's what I needed to do to get our podcast to line up with our episode numbers. Our introductory podcast was called episode one, but in actuality it filled slot zero on one of them. So I'm doing this to line it up. Why? I just like to have things line up. It's kind of like having a leading zero on dates. Like, for example, February 3rd, the year 2000, could be looked at as 2 slash 3 slash 2000. Or it could be 02 slash 03 slash 2000. And none of those are wrong. But the last one there does communicate something. By having the leading zero, it shows you a capacity. It means that there could be another number there, another value. For example, October, November, December are 10, 11, and 12. So it communicates something. Last week I mentioned the idea of a jello mold or a mold for or a cast for taking liquid metal and forming something and how that can create an image. And the idea of being made in the image of God, we have this capacity. It's kind of like some of the sermons that you possibly have heard where the pastor talks about how there's a void in your heart and only Jesus can fill it. And I really agree with that concept uh, in this idea of being created in that way. So much so that uh, I do believe that to have our deepest fulfillment in life would mean to live life according to what we were intended to be. Well, anyway, we, we start to transition into this idea of image bearing as well as being made in the image of God. And I, I talked about Exodus 20 verse 4, one of the commandments where it says, you shall not be make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. And I mentioned how silly that would be because God created an image already. He created a representative for himself and that was you. And he showed us and gave everybody the perfect representative when he himself came down in human form in Jesus, showing us how we could live life how we should live life, how to bear the image of God, how to be God in the flesh. Well, going just a few verses down from Exodus 20, verse 4, we see Exodus 20, verse 7. It says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The ESV uses the phrase, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who takes his name in vain. Why is that pertinent? You know, so many times I think when we hear about this, we think about using the Lord's name in vain as like on our lips, like saying it vocally. And sure, that is a way that you could take the Lord's name in vain. We'll even talk about that here in another passage. But it's more than that. To take the Lord's name would just be like when you marry somebody and they possibly take your last name. Or if you're on a certain team or a committee and you take that representation upon yourself, then you represent them. And so when you take that... If you do something, you could, you know, bring dishonor to that group or to your family. Exodus 28, verses 36 36 through 38 says this, Make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it as on a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it and attach it to the turban. 
It is to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead, and he will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate. Whatever their gifts may be, it will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that they will be acceptable to the Lord. Here you see this engraving on a plate on Aaron's forehead, and it says, holy to the Lord. The Hebrew word there is actually the word Yahweh, which is one thing that they never wanted to say because they never wanted to take the Lord's name in vain. Well, here it specifically is saying you are identifying with God so much so that it's on Aaron's forehead so that when somebody comes to him, they know that they're standing before a representative of God. It's also a reminder, I think, for Aaron to remember, hey, you represent me. You know, take that in mind. You are showing people what I stand for. And so when they bring sins to him, it'd just be like bringing sins to God. And he would bear them, which is fascinating because I think that's exactly what Christ did on the cross, bearing our sins. Well, to continue on, other verses, Leviticus 18, verses 21 do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Remember when I talked about Solomon several episodes ago, how he actually did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He married so many women, and he brought in false gods. It doesn't say that he sacrificed a child, but he did bring in a god that was known for for sacrificing children. And it says here that that would profane the name of the Lord your God. Notice the idea of profaning the representation. It's not just sinning against him. It's misrepresenting him to a culture. All of this work, by the way, that uh, we've been talking about last week and this week comes from some stuff that I've done in seminary where I was writing papers on the image of God and bearing the image of God. And there's also a great book called Bearing's God, God's Name, Why Sinai Still Matters. It's written by Carmen Joy Imes, and it is a great example of practical theology. It's deep, I think it's to the point, and she has a lot of practical examples, so I highly recommend it. Anyway, continuing on, Leviticus 20, verse 3, I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people, for by sacrificing his children to Molech, he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. Notice there another reference to doing something that God does not create us to do, and to another God, no less, but it defiles his sanctuary and profanes his name. Once again, he cares about how he's represented to people. He wants to start a relationship with people, with different cultures. And by doing these things, we're not helping that. Leviticus 19, verse 12. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Man, to say something falsely, to say like God says this and it's not of him, is a direct misrepresentation of him. It's almost deceiving people because then they think, well, that's what that God is? I don't that's not what I want. That doesn't feel right. Right, because it's not. it doesn't resonate with the image you were created to be, which then prevents you from seeing all of who God is. Leviticus 22, verses 31 through 33. Keep my commands and follow them. I am the Lord. Do not profane my holy name, for I must be acknowledged as a holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who made you holy and who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. This really summarizes the points I was trying to make. He's like, keep my commands and follow them because you represent me. And if you don't, then you're not showing people who I am and there's, there's, it's going to hinder the relationship. And remember this. I, I didn't bring you out of slavery just to have some random purpose. They were very specific. When God rescued them, he was creating and fulfilling a covenant, by the way, not to forget that. He was upholding who he truly was. He was person of honor. He's a person of integrity. And 
he wants people to see that. He wants them to see that he is the true creator of all things. So he starts to get a reputation. He doesn't want to be misrepresented to people. I think it's interesting when we talk about misrepresenting. This is more of a side note, but just how many of the false images of gods were of human form. Maybe they had more arms. Maybe they had a long snout. But they they seem to be human-like, almost like people knew subconsciously that there was this personal element about what represented God. Just an interesting point to make. Uh, J.P. Moreland talks about something that I want to bring up. I think it's obvious to see the ways we that our culture can misrepresent God. But what about ways that are just omitting the right representation of God? So I have a couple of examples here that uh, he calls the empty self, like the cavity that's not really full, you know, the image that we bear, but it's not really an image. It's really what I consider to be nothing, not false, but just not a positive contribution to the image of God. First one is the idea of a passive self. And this is where you don't see it so much, but you let other people do everything for you. For example, you let the pastor study the Bible for you or a podcast person. Um, You have sports teams that exercise for you. You watch the game, you get worked up, you see all the drama, you watch exciting stories because we, we like drama. We like to overcome. As a matter of fact, part of our image bearing was to subdue and rule over the earth, right? That's not to, you know, take it and dominate it, but to be managing it, to, to harness it, to try to get it to grow, to flourish, to nurture it, to care for it. So, Interestingly enough, when we sit back and just let everybody else do that, we're not, we want that type of challenge or drama. So we might get it through watching movies or watching sports teams. That's not really the sense. It's kind of a cheap alternative. How about this? The idea that uh, it lacks an interior life, that some people just, it's, it's amazing what defines, we talked about defining people earlier with like popularity and everything else, but what really did define a person years ago was was character virtues right the idea of maybe being noble moral a person of honor and good reputation of deep character man that was a person that was like a deep true person somebody who had a lot of value well nowadays i think it's interesting if we were to say what what means to be successful or even significant we would say the number of likes on facebook the number of people you know how much money you have possibly that idea of an empty self, the image really is not showing how many people like God, but how many people are like God. How many people are walking around seeking to be moral, seeking to be loving, gracious, compassionate, you know, walking holy. The other thing that it has done is it's really individualistic, this empty self, Think about this, and this is one. This is a favorite example of mine because it seems good at heart, but then it's also empty. If you were to go to lots of these student organizations that are against drug use and you know drinking and driving, and you were to ask these kids like, "Hey, why don't you want to drink or do drugs?" They would say, "Because I want to be a doctor, or because I want to be an athlete, or because I want to be an astronaut." You know, I want to um, keep my mind and body healthy so I can live well. Those are all individualistic. He, J.P. Moreland actually was at an event. And he pointed out to somebody that every kid was going to say the same thing. It's the reason why they're not doing drugs or alcohol was all because of something for themselves. 
no other reason. They're all good intentions. Not None of them are wrong. But think about it in contrast to uh, an Olympic skater. Back during the Winter Games oh, a couple Olympics ago, there was a Japanese figure skater, and she was doing well, and she fell on the ice. And when they... And when she came off the ice, they interviewed her and they asked her, you know, how she did. And she said she just, she felt bad. She felt like she brought shame on her culture, on her home, on her family because she had failed. The Asian cultures have a long uh, sense of what it means to be community and bringing shame on everyone else in the community. And it's an interesting aspect. But here in the States, for sure, we, we definitely see things individualistically. What's that mean to me? Not what's it mean to the name I bear. What's it mean to my image? The image you're trying to carry of God, not your own personal image, but his image. And lastly, I think this is a popular one too, we try to fill this empty self with a hurried and busy life. Uh, Philip Cushman says this best. The empty self is filled with consumer goods, calories, experiences, politicians, romantic partners, and empathetic therapists. It experiences a lack of community, tradition, and shared meaning, a lack of personal conviction and worth. That sounds pretty pointed to what I think a lot of our culture sees today. When we rush around and we're trying to do things, we're looking for things of value, but we're not actually representing what's of the greatest value. How do we help people see God to receive salvation? We have to represent him. I'm sure everybody's heard this saying like, Go out and, and live your life according to God because you might be the only God or Jesus, image of God or Jesus that anybody sees. It's very true. As a representative of him, you might be one of the very first instances that they've ever been introduced to God. That's how I was introduced to God. Years ago, somebody talked about God being personal. You know, more than just this entity up in the heaven. Uh, when you hear thunder, I always remember the idea of it was God bowling or something. But when somebody finally told me it could be a personal deity, like in like I could actually have a relationship with him, that was the first time I had ever heard that. And it was because somebody shared that with me. A Christian person that I knew shared that with me. I knew their life. I knew what that meant. And that actually started my relationship with Christ. And that's because images are meant to be seen. That relationship with Christ, that image that I saw in that person who was a Christian, I saw it through having a relationship. Christ came and we got to see God in the flesh by having a relationship. Images are meant to be seen. If you're sitting at home saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, but you haven't shown that to anybody, are you really filling that void? Are you doing what God intended? It's a good question to think of, to ponder. What is significant versus successful? Two other verses I want to share as I wrap up. Isaiah 63, 19 and 20. For a little while your people possessed your holy place, but now our enemies have trampled down your sanctuary. We are yours from of old, but you have not ruled over them. They have not been called by your name. This is the idea that the Israelites were sinning and God, if you, if you broke the covenant, you missed out on some of the blessings of that covenant, including protection from God. The covenant wasn't thrown away, but that's a different podcast. The idea here is that those people haven't been called by your name. They don't represent you. God knows that. 
God wants people to deeply represent him, which is why he has to put it on hold sometimes. We see that in the Old Testament. Things where they're, they're away from their land or they're, they're going through tribulation because they're not representing him and it's not acceptable. Daniel 9, 17 through 19. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. This appeal by Daniel is really interesting. He's sitting there saying, God, we want your temple back. Please help us. Please bring this back. And he knows the reason. It's not just for his peace and comfort. It's because he represents God and he is not doing that as fully as he can. I shouldn't say he. Daniel's doing a great job. But the culture, the Israelites, aren't doing it as a, as a team, as a group that would make a massive impact on the cultures around them. They're not able to do that. And Daniel wants that to be again. Not for himself, though. Because of the people in the, in the city that bears your name. He knows that that is a light in the world for God. Not just a person, but a culture. Not just a culture, but a, a town, a city. Something that has a reputation that is the image of God. And it's not just one side. It's not just that that fulfills our purpose. Um, there's a great joy, I think, that brings God. I say this from examples in my own life that I see. If you've ever been in the newspaper, if you've ever seen your name on a newspaper article or maybe on a, on a website or something like that, that's specifically you, that's very personal, then you, I think, when I've seen it, I feel this, hey, that's me. Like I, I feel a deep tie to it. When we represent God, when we carry his name on our forehead, for example, using the Aaron passage that I mentioned, I think that there's an example there of like, you are part of him. You know, like you are in relationship with him. It's not the same if I go to a little trinket store and I see a keychain with the name Leo on it and I buy it because that one wasn't specifically made for me, right? Yeah, it's my name and it's there, but it's kind of just an empty part of it. Still my name, but it's not as personal. It's not my full name or it's not something I did. It's just there for me to purchase. I also liken this to um, where I work. I am a fourth generation family member that's worked there. My grandfather worked there and my grandfather um, was part of the Korean War. And to honor the employees, the company that I work at had a plaque there. And on the plaque, engraved in the plaque, is the name of my grandfather. And I thought it was interesting that it was there. And I, I looked for it one day and I found it. And I was like moved by it. It was like, that's, that's a family member. That's my family's name up there. I even had a day where my son was at work with me. And I had a picture taken where I was holding him by the plaque. Um, and you could see three different generations there of our name all in that picture. And I just thought about what it meant to me to see my grandfather's name there and what I wanted my son to be conveyed by it. I'm, am I proud of it? I didn't even go to the Korean War. I wasn't even alive during the time. But it's something that brought honor to our family, right? To, to serve our country, to serve 
people so that they could have the freedom to worship, to, so we can have freedom, period. Those are all significant things. And so there was a great honor there when I saw that. I, I like the idea of thinking about that we are carrying God's name, right? That idea of the personal relationship, but also the reminder of who we belong to. You know, who, who's our family? There are times when my son says, I told one of his, like he said, I told one of my friends that my daddy could do this. They just looked at me as my daddy could do anything, you know, and uh, as being their father and stuff. And so having God's name, knowing that he's my father, that he's part of my family, that view really empowers me to go out and be that image, to bear his name, to remember all of the things that he's done for me, what our family does. If you catch that reference from the last episode, our family, our Christian family, does this. And that's so many things that are in scripture. It's not that it's idle and sits by and does nothing like an empty self, nor do we try to intentionally sin. We try to represent him to the world. So until next time, go and live it out.